Amor stepped outside into the cold, crisp night. The snow had long since stopped, and the sky had cleared. It was just past midnight, and as he stood there, taking deep breaths of the clean air, the lights on the trees went out. The chief inspector and Henri were the lone creatures in a dark world. He looked up, and slowly the stars appeared. Orion's belt, the Big Dipper, the North Star— and millions and millions of other lights, all very, very clear now and only now, the light only visible in the dark. Gamache found himself uncertain what to do and where to go. He could return to Montréal, though he was tired and would rather not, but he hadn't made any arrangements to stay at the B&B, preferring to go straight to Myrna. And now it was past midnight, and all the lights were out at the B&B, he could only just make out the outline of the former coach-in against the forest beyond. But as he watched, a light, softened by curtains, appeared at an upstairs window. And then, a few moments later, another downstairs. Then he saw a light through the window in the front door, just before it opened. A large man stood silhouetted on the threshold. "'Come here, boy, come here,' the voice called, and Henri tugged at the leash. Gamache dropped it, and the shepherd took off along the path, up the stairs and into Gabri's arms. When Gamache arrived, Gabri struggled to his feet. "'Good boy,' he embraced the chief inspector. "'Get inside. I'm freezing my ass off. Not that it couldn't use it.' "'How do you know we were here?' Myrna called. She thought you might need a room. He regarded his unexpected guest. "'You do want to stay, don't you?' Very much, said the chief, and had rarely meant anything more. Gabri closed the door behind them. Jean-Guy Beauvoir sat in his car and stared at the closed door. He was slumped down, not so far as to disappear completely, but far enough to make it look like he was trying to be discreet. It was calculated and, somewhere below the haze, he knew it was also pathetic. But he didn't care any more. He just wanted Annie to look out her window, to recognize his car, to see him there, to open the door. He wanted... He wanted... He wanted to feel her in his arms again, to smell her scent. He wanted her to whisper, It'll be all right. Most of all, he wanted to believe it. Myrna told us that Constance was missing, said Gabri, reaching for a hanger for Gamache's coat. He took the parker from the chief and paused. Are you here about her? I'm afraid so. Gabri hesitated just an instant before asking, She's dead? The chief nodded. Gabri hugged the parker and stared at Gamache. While he longed to ask more questions, he didn't. He could see the chief's exhaustion. Instead, he finished hanging up the coat and walked to the stairs. Agamash followed the immense, swaying dressing gown up the stairs. Gabri led them along the passage and stopped at a familiar door. He flicked a switch to reveal the room Gamash always stayed in. Unlike Gabri, this room, indeed the entire bed and breakfast, was a model of restraint. Oriental throw rugs were scattered on the wide plank floor. The dark wood bed was large and inviting, and made up with crisp white linens, a thick white duvet, and down pillows. It was uncluttered and comforting, 
simple and welcoming. Have you had dinner? Uh, No, but I'll be fine until morning. The clock on the bedside table said twelve-thirty. Gabri crossed to the window, opened it a sliver to let the fresh, cold air in, and pulled the curtains closed. At what time would you like to get up? Six-thirty too early? Gabri blanched. Oh, not at all. We're always up at that hour. At the door he paused. You do mean six-thirty p.m., right? Gamache placed his satchel on the floor by the bed. Merci, patron, he said with a smile, holding Gabri's eyes for a moment. Before changing, Gamache looked at Henri, who was standing by the door. The chief stood in the middle of the room, looking from the warm, soft bed to Henri and back again. Oh, Henri, you better want to do more than...